Welcome to the Gregory Digout Podcast. I want to introduce you once again to the love of God that casts out all fear. I like what first John 418 says. Let's look there. First John 418 in the Message Bible, in the Message Bible of first John, chapter four, verse 18. And I want to read this to you. It says. In verse 18, if you will, first John, chapter four, verse 18, for there is no fear, there's no room for fear in love, fear. The Bible says there's no room in love for fear. In other words, he says love banishes all fear, love banishes all fear, say fear. You've been banished by perfect love. Notice what he says here, since fear is crippling and a fearful life, the fear of judgment is the result of one that does not understand fully formed love or perfect love. So another translation says perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love is not us loving hard enough or loving God more. Perfect love is God's love for us. God is love. He is perfect love and it, and he casts out fear. And we're going to learn what love, how love provides us with the tools to live a fear free, anxiety free, worry free life. We're living in a world full of fear, folks, full of fear in this world today. It's governed. It's motivated by fear. And even though America, as I said to you guys before, even though America is the richest nation in the world, the richest nation that's ever existed in the world, yet we're we're the most anxious nation in the world, more prescription drugs for anxiety. And look, there's nothing wrong with medication when it helps as a bridge to get you uh, to a place where you can calm yourself and start receiving God's peace and receiving God's medicine and receiving God's healing. Listen to me. We're living in a world that is so uh, truly ignited by fear and anxiety and even the violence in the world and the hate. It's all rooted in fear. Fear is at the root of what people are dealing with in their life. And all fear comes from the fear that God's love is not perfect, that somehow we have to we have to do something to get God to love us. But God's grace is his unearned, his unmerited love and favor. And your miracle is on the other side of you believing that God's love for you is perfect. Listen, listen, your miracle, the miracle you need is on the other side of you believing that God's love for you is perfect. You don't have to be perfect. Nobody is. But his love for you is perfect. Let me show you what I mean by this, if I could. Like. Let me take you to a a place in Scripture in Luke, excuse me, in John, Chapter 11. This scripture just hit me recently. And John, Chapter 11, verse one, it's the it's the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Now, it says there was a certain man in John 11, verse one, there was a certain man who was sick, Lazarus of Bethany. Bethany was the village of Mary and her sister, Martha. We, we know them. 
Right. We know Mary and Martha. Martha was the worry, the one who was worried all the time and anxious and, you know, bothered about everything. Right. And Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Why? Because Mary had been had all these demons cast out of her. She was delivered and set free. And she was the one who poured the, the perfume over Jesus. She was so she was so in awe of how God had forgiven her, even though she didn't deserve it, that she took the most precious thing she had, her family heirloom, this 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 bottle of precious ointment and perfume. And the Bible says that it was worth almost one year's wages because they said, well, we could have we could have fed we could have fed people for 300 days. If she didn't wait, some of the some of the disciples actually said we could have we could have fed 300 people for 300 days, 300 days worth of wages, they said 300 almost a year. That's how valuable this this bottle. I mean, think about it. I mean, how much is perfume nowadays? I don't know. What does it cost? Fifty bucks, a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks. Anybody know any anybody ever heard of perfume? Like how much does it cost? Does anybody know? Seventy dollars, a hundred bucks. I mean, maybe the really expensive stuff is three hundred, two, three, four hundred. I don't know how much it costs, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I just know, you know, just a, you know, a can of deodorant is all I'm looking for. Right. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, listen, this bottle that she used was worth almost one year of wages. So if the average income is, I don't know, 40 grand, 50 grand, $60,000, whatever the average yearly income is for somebody who's been working for a while. Think about that. This bottle of perfume that she poured on Jesus head and on and wiped his feet with her tears was worth maybe somewhere in the neighborhood of $50,000. It's all she had. And she poured it all on him. Why? Because the Bible says she she knew she was forgiven much. Therefore, she loved much. She knew she was forgiven much. Therefore, she loved much. Talks about her in Luke seven, but also here. This is the same Mary because it says in verse two, this was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus is sick. Everybody, everything's connected in the Bible. Maybe you wouldn't have thought Lazarus and Mary were brother and sister and Martha, too. These are these three are one family. So listen. So the sisters sent word to Jesus. Now, notice Lazarus is sick and then he dies and he's dead for how long? Mm. I want to encourage everybody to start reading your Bible, start in John chapter 11. Got to get us some Bible education. Um, He was dead for four days. We'll see this later in this chapter if we get there. But the point is, is notice what. And my point is this, is that there is always a cause and effect in life. There's a cause and there's an effect. Well, what goes up must come down. Right. Cause and effect. You plant a seed and and it grows cause and effect. You you slap somebody, you're going to get slapped back twice. Right. (laughs) Cause and effect. Right. There's a cause and effect to everything. So I want you to see the cause 
The effect here is that this man is about to be raised from the dead. Jesus is going to raise him from the dead after he's been dead for days. But what's the cause? What's the cause? The cause that produces the miracle or the turnaround or the breakthrough, the thing that they needed, the thing that Martha and Mary needed was they needed a miracle in their brother's life. Isn't it awesome that he had somebody that cared enough about him to go to Jesus about him? Wouldn't it be great if we all had somebody like that? that will go to Jesus on our behalf. Now, we can go to Jesus ourselves. Obviously, we all can go to him and there's no veil anymore and there's no distance. We're we're never we're never we'll never be separated from God now and we'll never be separated from his love. But this beautiful picture of love and compassion for those in our life. And if if we if there's somebody in your life that's struggling, pray for them, go to Jesus on their behalf and just realize that Love never fails. And what watch what they say to him. So the sisters sent word to Jesus and saying, Lord, behold, the one who loves you is sick. Lazarus loves you so much, Lord. And now he's sick. No, that's not what it says. It says, Lord, the one you love is sick. The one you love is sick. The one you love, the one you love, the one you love, cause and effect. You love our brother, Jesus. And therefore, we expect a miracle. Lord, you love me. So I'm expecting because you love me. You're going to do what you said. They didn't say, Jesus. You know, Lazarus has really been good lately before he got sick. You know, he went to the temple every day. You know, before he got sick, he was helping the poor. You know, before he got sick, he was on his knees. You know, before he got sick, he was cleaning up all of his life and all of his mistakes and all of his, you know, before he got sick, he was he I mean, he had some flaws, Lord. But look, he really, really, really loved you. So won't you do a miracle because he loved you? No, no, no. That's not how they go to God. And my God, this is a picture of how we should go to God. Lord, because you love me, because you love me. He said they said, Lord, they said, Jesus, the one who you love is sick. You got to do something because you love him. I'm telling you, God's going to do something because he loves you. He's going to do something because he loves you. He's going to turn the curse into a blessing because he loves you. It's not about our love. It's not about us loving him enough. It's about how much he loves us. My God, if we could get a hold of this, that God is not waiting for you to do enough, to love enough, to pray enough, to be enough. His love is more than enough. 
Lord, the one you love is sick. Boy, if you want to get the heart of God, well, they got his attention. But Jesus was like, well, what? Oh, yeah, I love him. I'm going to tell you something then now, because I love him. This sickness is not going to end in death. It's not going to end in death. It may include death. But it's not going to end there. In fact, it did include death, but it didn't end in death. Look, no matter how bad your situation is right now, it may get worse. But it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. You know where it ends? It ends for the glory of God, that the son of God is going to be glorified. What is going to be glorified about the son? What does this even mean? The son is going to be glorified like the the sound. It it sounds great. First of all, it sounds great. Anything Jesus said is amazing. And he said it and I can't imitate him, but I can imitate how religious people. Oh, yes, this is for unto the glory of God. But what does that even mean when Jesus says this isn't going to end in death, death? Look, your situation is not going to end in depression. You might be in a valley right now, but you're not going to it's not going to end there. You might be going through the worst time of your life, but it's not going to end there. You might be going through a time where you're struggling, where you're where you've fallen, where you've failed, where you've blown it. Man, who hasn't been there? My God, we've all blown it. We've all messed up there. Don't ever put your hope and trust in people being so holy and so perfect that they're never going to make a mistake. Don't be disappointed in people. You need to set your expectations in people. You need to set your expectations for people very low so they can pleasantly surprise you. Maybe you set the bar. You know, here's what we've done. We've set our expectations for God, what God can do. We've set our expectations for him way down here. And we've set our expectations of people way up here. And people can't No, I'm sorry, but people are not great pole vaulters. People are not. You can't set your you can't set your expectation of people up here. Set your expectation of people down here. Yeah, people are pretty much going to, you know, not like me. Yep, people are pretty much going to probably hate me, but I'm good. People are going to people are going to gossip. People are going to say stuff. People are going to mistreat me like I'm like I've already like I've set my expectation there. And you know what? It's pretty true. But my expectation of God is so high. It's so high. Like this valley I'm going through is not going to end in death. It's not going to end in death. In the end, it's going to glorify God. But what about God and what about the son of God is going to be glorified? 
what is going to be magnified? What is going to what is being magnified in this story? The resurrection of Lazarus, raising Lazarus from the dead is not the biggest part of the story. That's not what's being magnified. What's what what is being magnified here is this. One, Jesus, that you loved, this one that you love is sick. What's being glorified here, what's getting the attention and what we need to put the the spotlight on is the love of God. In verse three, they said, look at Lord, the one you love is sick. And Jesus said, oh, oh, then that's that. Then that's not going to end in in death. It's going to end in the glory of God. And Jesus and he said, and the son of God is going to be glorified in it. What is it that's being glorified? The very next verse. The very next verse says, now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. You know, I don't know why, but for the life of me, I've read this chapter a thousand times, haven't you? And maybe you've read it. Well, most of us haven't read it once. All right. So, uh, OK. <laughs> but, you know, I've always the focus for me and I'm just speaking for myself, but the focus for me in this story was has always been Lazarus come forth, unbind him and unwrap him of these funeral of these grave clothes. Right. That's always been what has been magnified and the attention has been on the miracle and the attention has been on the being raised from the dead. But Jesus mentions two times in three out of three verses, he mentions two times just so that, you know, this is what this is what God is trying to magnify. This is what God is trying to accentuate. This is what the focus and the spotlight is on. It's on the, the way they prayed was not Lord, he loves you. Lord, Lazarus loves you, so heal him. No, it's Lazarus is the one who you love and he's sick. And therefore their faith started working because they believed in the love that Jesus had for their brother. And their faith started working because they believed in the love that Jesus had for them. So that's why verse five says now. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. It's just love, love and more love. So he stays, he stays two days longer in the place where he was. Look, sometimes your miracle is delayed, but it's not because God doesn't love you. And it's not because you're not going to get your breakthrough. It's because you, God doesn't want us putting our faith in the miracle. He wants us putting our faith in his love. He wants us putting our faith in his love. Faith works by love. Galatians chapter five, verse six says it's not our love that makes faith work. It's God's love for us. 
that makes faith work. Now, remember, the opposite of love is fear. The opposite of fear is love. Perfect love casts out fear. Yes, it casts out hate. Also, it casts out anger. It casts out all those things. But it casts out fear because fear is the root to hate. Fear is the root of anxiety. Fear is the root of lack. Fear is the root of us holding back and being afraid to give, being afraid to love, being afraid to forgive, being afraid to step out in faith. It's fear. It's fear based living. It's the first thing that came into the world after Adam and Eve sin in Genesis 3:10. The first thing that happens in Genesis chapter three, verse 10, after Adam and Eve sin is Jesus, the, the Lord is looking for Adam. Where are you? And the first words that came out of Adam's mouth is I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid. I became afraid. I became afraid. I was afraid. Fear entered into the garden when Adam and Eve sinned. The first thing that came into their life was fear. And when now remember, Jesus is the second Adam. Adam is the first Adam. And the Bible calls Jesus the second Adam. Why? Because Adam is the first man and everybody after him came from him. He's the father of all creation until Jesus. Jesus becomes the new father of the new creation. He's that's why he's called the second Adam. So when when Adam sinned, fear entered in. The first thing that came from sin was fear. But when Jesus comes, he takes sin on the cross. And the first thing he frees us from is fear. Fear was the first thing. Fear was the first consequence of Adam's sin. Love is the first consequence of Jesus righteousness and Jesus becoming sin for us and Jesus becoming a curse for us and Jesus taking it all on the cross for us. That's love. And that's the proof of his love. He demonstrates his love. And therefore, if he if he loves us that much, he will love us enough to heal us. He will love us enough to turn the curse into a blessing. He will love us enough. He loves us enough to heal Lazarus. Jesus, the, see, these 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 ladies, they were they had they were they were flawed. Mary had some demons that she got cast out of her. Martha was worried all the time and anxious and bothered. Right. I mean, these are not perfect people. We don't even know what Lazarus's issues were, but he's so sick he's about to die. But yet what stands out in this miracle is the love. Why would he just throw that in there? There's a reason because miracles come from love. Faith in God's love. He's never going to break his promise. That's love. He's never going to leave me. That's love. He's never going to bring up my past because it's over. That's love. Back to verse six, John 11. Verse five says. Now, Jesus loved now, Jesus loved. Now, Jesus love. I want you to get that in you. Now he loves you. Now he loves you. Lazarus is pretty helpless here. Now he loves you when you're helpless. Now he loves you. Is it? Well, he'll love me if I pray. No. Now he loves you. Well, when I get out of this trouble, when I stop doing this sin, when I stop making this mistake, when I stop blowing it. No. Now he loves you. Now he loves you. 
so you can expect your miracle. Why? Because look at what he said. Remember what he said? Deuteronomy 23, verse five. Remember Deuteronomy 23, verse five. What should we be expecting? It says, nevertheless, the Lord was not willing to listen to Balaam, who was trying to prophesy doom and gloom to the children of Israel. But the Lord, your God, turned the curse into a blessing because the Lord, your God, loves you. We should expect things to turn around. Your breakthrough is on its way. Your breakthrough is on its way. Why? Because you prayed enough? No. Because you were holy enough? No. Because the Lord, your God, loves you. Because the Lord, your God, loves you. He loved Lazarus. He loved Mary. He loved Martha. We, we go to him on the basis of love, not on the basis of earning or I deserve it or have I done enough yet, Lord? No, there's not enough that can be done. Jesus did enough. Jesus did it all. And that's why we can expect our miracle, our breakthrough. Look at what it says in Galatians three, verse five, Galatians, chapter three, verse five. Does he then provide you with the spirit and work miracles among you? Does he do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Well, the answer is obvious. He works. He provides us with the spirit because we believe in the love that he has for us. And he works miracles among us because we believe in the love. We believe in the love. We believe in the love. First John four sixteen says we have come to believe in the love that God has for us. We have come to believe the whole goal of believing. We have come to know and believe the love with which God has for us. God is love. This is why we've come. We've come to know and we've come to believe the love he has for us. I didn't come to get my needs met. I didn't come to learn about how to make more money. I didn't come to learn how to get along with somebody better. I came to know the love of God and to believe in this love. (laughs) Why? Because that's how Jesus relates to us through love. I don't know, man, it's taken me something to get this out. I don't know why it's just taken me years to try to figure this out and understand this. And I'm still in awe. And I'm amazed. This is the. The one who abides in him. And God abides in him, the one who understands love. God operates in the one who understands his love. God operates. This is God abides in him. It means he's he's living in. We're living through working through working in. He's manifesting. He's showing up. He's he's filling the house. He's filling your life. Why? Because of love, the one who's come to know and believe this love. You know, the disciples get in the boat with Jesus in Mark, chapter four. Remember that in verse thirty five, Jesus says, 
let's let's go to the other side. He says, we're going to the other side. Get in the boat. We're going to the other side. Let's go. Every one of us. God has a word for every one of us. Let's go to the other side of this depression. How? Through love. Let's get to the other side of this sickness. How? Through the love of God. Let's get to the other side of this emotional thing you're dealing with. Let's get to the other side of this confusion, this chaos, this trial that you're facing. Let's get to the other side. We're going to the other side. There's only one way to get to the other side through love. Believing the love that God has for you. So they they get in the boat, the Bible says. And as soon as they get in the boat, it says in verse 37, a fierce gale of wind hits this boat. And look at the first thing that they the first thing that gets thrown out of the boat is their faith in God's love. And they said, don't you care that we're perishing? He was asleep and they said, don't you care? They wake him up. Don't you care that we're perishing? Don't you care? Listen, this is the number one temptation in every person's life is to doubt that God cares in your worst moments, in your darkest hour. Don't you care? These guys had been with him, folks. These guys were with Jesus and they still questioned whether he cared. And they based it on the wind. They said, it's windy. Don't you care? Like God gets blamed for everything. (laughs) It's hot. Don't you care? It's cold. Don't you care? I don't have enough money. Don't you care? I'm going through this tough time. Don't you care? God, that's the one thing not to question. Question anything else you want, but don't question that because that's what's making you sink. You know, whenever wind hits you, whenever a storm hits you, you need to do something. You need to take inventory of what you've got, because that's what's going to get you through the storm. See, We get so focused on the storm that we forget. Wait, I'm God made me ready for this. God made me ready for this storm. God gave me a promise. We're going to the other side. That's love. God gave me his presence. He's in the boat with me. We're going to the other side because God's presence is with me. His his presence is true prosperity. God's presence is the greatest prosperity in the universe. God's presence is with you by the blood of Jesus. God's presence is with you. He's for you. That's the father is for you. He's he's God, the father, son and Holy Spirit. He's the father. That's God for you. He's the son. That's God with you, Emmanuel. And he's the spirit. That's God in you. You have his presence. You see, whenever you get into a problem, you need to realize the problem is not the problem. It's the the problem is fear and fear goes away when you take inventory of what you have. Fear goes away when you take inventory. Like if you're afraid, you like if you were afraid you weren't going to have enough food for your family, fear goes away when you open up the cupboard and go, oh, there's some Cheerios. 
Fear goes away when you when you take inventory. Fear goes away when you take inventory. Fear goes away when you start looking at what you have rather than what you don't have. So what did they have? What did they have? They had the promise of God. We're going to the other side. That was a promise. They had the presence of God. Jesus is in the boat with them. They had the power of God. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. But the reason why the one thing that they that they didn't have is because of the three things they didn't know they had. Listen, the one thing they didn't have in the storm was peace. And the reason they didn't have peace is because they didn't realize they had a promise. They didn't realize they had his presence and they didn't focus and realize on the fact that they had the power. Oh, listen, therefore, they didn't have peace. They had all of those three things, but because they didn't take inventory that I have these three things. That's why he says uh, God has not given you the spirit of fear. But power, love and a sound mind, those three things are what we that's inventory, taking inventory. Wait, when I remember that I have power, love and a sound mind, I'm no longer afraid. If they would have recognized and remembered they have a promise, they have his presence and they have his power, then they would have had his peace. They didn't have his peace. Listen, somebody's watching me right now. Your life is full of anxiety and worry. And somebody's listening right here. And your life is you get anxious easily. You get nervous easily. You get worried easily. Let me tell you something. What's disturbing you and disrupting you is not that you're missing something. What's keeping you from experiencing this peace that passes all understanding is that you haven't taken inventory of what God has already given you. He's given you his promise. We're going to the other side. He's given you his presence. I'm going with you and he's given you his power, death and life and the power of the tongue. And so what did Jesus do? Jesus says to the storm, they wake him up and Jesus says, peace, be still. And there was a great calm. Is there a great calm in your life? If there's not. All you need to do is do take inventory. I got the I got the I've got the the promise of God. I've got the presence of God. I've got the power of God. Therefore, ah, relax, Greg. You got the peace of God. And there was a great calm. Now, the one who understood he had the promise the one who understood he had the presence, the one who understood he had the power. He brought the peace. You cannot bring peace to your storm until you understand you now are the one who has the promise. You are the one who has his presence and you are the one who has his power. So, you know what's coming now, you know what you can expect in your life now when you do inventory like that, a great calm. Don't say to the storm, peace, be still because you're afraid of it. Say 
peace be still when you stop being afraid of it because you have something greater than it. What is it? You have the three things that are greater than the storm. What are they? The promise of God, the presence of God and the power of God. Through your words. So, ah, goose fraba. Now I can speak peace. Be still. Peace. Be still. I got his promise every day. Seven thousand promises in the word of God. I have his presence. He'll never leave me or forsake me. I have his power. Death and life in the power of my tongue. Ah, now I have peace. So now I speak from a place of peace to the storm. Now, out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth is speaking. I'm not desperate. Peace be still. Peace be still. Peace be still. The storm's like, yeah, right. You don't even believe it yourself. The storm can only obey what's inside of you. And when you speak it, that's when it works because you believe it. Then, then when it comes out, the storm bows its knee. Let's stand together. Boy, I hope this makes sense to you. Well, thanks so much for listening. If this podcast has encouraged or inspired you in any way, I would love for you to share it with a friend, a family member or someone, you know, who would benefit from these messages and make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. So you never have to miss an episode. And I'd like to keep helping you cultivate your worth and fulfill God's purpose for your life. That's why this podcast exists. We're in this together. One can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight and your best is right ahead. God bless.